Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So today I am very, very excited because I get to talk about one of my favorite things, which is Star Wars. I think we've actually talked about Star Wars a few times before, uh, just in passing. But today we have one of my really good friends who lives here in D.C. with me. Um, He's a spokesperson for Young Voices. He's also the host of a really cool podcast called Beltway Banthas, which talks about politics and Star Wars, which, I mean, I don't think it really gets cooler than that. So very exciting. So today, Stephen joins us to talk about his new book, How the Force Can Fix the World, and what Star Wars can teach us about liberty. And another kind of fun fact about Stephen is he's also a dad. And I actually gave his daughter um, some Tuttle Twin books a year, a couple years ago, I think it was, oh, maybe three right. years ago. Yeah, so she is already a fan. She has read The Miraculous Pencil. So we are uh, all of uh, all in good company here. Welcome, Stephen. It's great to have you. Hey, very nice to be here with you. Wonderful. Well, let's dive into this. So tell us about this book, How the Force Can Fix the World. Yeah, so the book is not existent yet. It's going to be coming out in 2021 from Hachette and Center Street Publishing. But the book is about how Star Wars is such a powerful and universalist means to understand people's sense of of what is moral and what is right and good across the political spectrum. My my podcast was originally originally premised on the idea that you can talk to just about anybody from the right or from the left and and get really the same sort of view of what Star Wars is saying we should aspire towards in our own politics and in our world. And I wanted to understand why that was. And so Beltway Banthas explores the politics of Star Wars in a new and fresh way to try to help understand why these principles are universal to us in Star Wars. But when we talk politics, so much breaks down. Uh, so much Steve, breaks down. <laughs> quick, quick question, Stephen Free. How old? Uh, so Britt said you, uh, you have kids or at least one kid. How old are your kid or kids, plural? My daughter is nine years old. Perfect. So you got a nine-year-old daughter. I also have a nine-year-old daughter. And, uh, you know, I imagine that a lot of kids, just like most adults, see Star Wars as a fun story. And, you know, you just used a few big words that I'm sure uh, the kids and maybe even some of the adults listening are like, wait, what? So help me break it down or pretend you're talking to your daughter. How is it that these fun Star Wars movies have any connection to politics or the government or liberty? What's kind of an example, maybe just to make it more concrete? And helping our listeners understand why there's a connection between Star Wars as a story and liberty. I love that question. And I think it comes down to one scene in Star Wars Episode 3. It's when Anakin has had some bad dreams about his wife, Padme, potentially dying in childbirth. And he's starting to become deeply, deeply afraid of the future and what it might hold. And he goes to Master Yoda and I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but you know, he asked Master Yoda about these bad dreams and these dark visions he's been having of losing someone he loves. And he goes, what am I to do? And Yoda says, train yourself to let go of all you fear to lose. And this is a moment where your hero is faced with the wisdom that there are some things that you're not going to be able to control in your life. You can't actually determine the outcome of every event and every possibility that might scare you. And you have to be ready to let some things go and just be the way that they're going to be. 
And if you can learn to think that way and apply it not just to your private life, but to your your politics and to the world and government, um, it will give you much, much better outcomes and acceptance that you can't centrally control everything. So let's dissect that a little bit. What? Let's talk about politics a little bit. You know, we ha- we just had an election and, and there's a lot of chaos and a lot of contention going around with that. So how can we take this premise? How can our listeners take this premise of let go and help, you know, have that help them as we kind of navigate this crazy political world that we're in today? Well, there's just a sense that in politics and, and particularly with politicians, they all promise to solve every single problem. They all tell you that there is a solution to every single um, ill of the of the world. Uh, Joe Biden, I, a politician I, I, I like in general, but you know something that he's been saying more recently about President Trump's handling of the coronavirus is that we've had two hundred thousand uh, people die in America and not a single one needed to. That is just not true. There is nothing that you can do uh, with the power of government and in Washington to stop a disease from killing people. That's what diseases do. It's it's just part of living in the real world, and it's sad. And politicians have a, a tendency with issues such as this um, and issues that are more complicated to promise the sun and the stars to people because that's what they want to hear. It's not very popular to go out and tell people, you know what, there's actually not a silver bullet for this problem. You know what, it's actually not possible to stop all acts of terror from happening in the world. Um, That's not politically popular, but it would be right. And it would also give us a society that does not live in constant fear and looking to politicians to solve every fear that we have. Okay. So that's a perfect segue, Stephen. I want to get your take on on this. As I think back to watching Star Wars and and what connections there are to political or liberty-related things, there is always one scene that stands out in my mind among the rest and it's when they're in the uh the republic they're all in their little floating discs that are attached in the little you know auditorium thing and and uh, the what was the called the chancellor is there right and uh, because of a threat he then changes uh, unilaterally or not even that right he has the consent of the republic yes. to change the republic into the first galactic empire so he changes from the kind of elected chancellor he becomes um now he becomes this dictator basically the emperor he guts the republic and padme is uh sitting next to her you know associate i can't remember the guy's name from her home planet or whatever but uh, I'm, I'm not enough of a geek to remember all the, the names, but <laughs> this scene is etched in my brain, right? Because what does Padme says? She turns to him and she says, so that is how liberty dies with thundering applause. And, and it's so interesting, right? Because here was a, a real threat. Of course, Star Wars is so applicable because uh, the story itself is part of the human story. These, these, things in the movie are kind of echoes of human nature and it's what has happened in governments in history around the world where you have had democracies or republics right turned into empires and dictatorships and and this is part of the human desire as you were just pointing out right the, the fear that can be used to get people to change so help me understand what what is it why why does that scene why is that scene so applicable to our day when it seems also like the surrendering of our freedoms, the 
uh, giving the government even more power is not being done over protests. We don't have another Boston Tea Party. We don't have Sons of Liberty out there, you know, throwing tea in the harbor. Quite the opposite, in fact, like Padme observed in her little fictional time, we have everyone applauding the government getting more power and taking more freedoms away. Why? Why is that that you know, is it human nature or why is that scene so relevant to politics and our world? Well, you know, there's this kind of timely um, uh, or timeless clash between the ideas of uh, John Locke um, and who, who was it who penned the Leviathan? I'm just blanking Hobbes, right? Uh, the idea that we accepted government into our lives to escape the state of nature. We accept government into our lives and we consent to be governed because we don't want to live in an uncertain and wild world. And government and society in general gives us the framework to succeed and live uh, and prosper. And what you have happen all too often is that a new threat emerges, people get scared, and they are more than willing to give government more leash to take care of those problems. Star Wars Episode Three is not born in a vacuum. This is something that's very common throughout human history. Um, but th this was coming around the time of the War on Terror and the Patriot Act. 9-11 had just happened a couple of years prior. And the United States and, and kids like me growing up in that time were very afraid. And the idea of George W. Bush declaring a war on terror that would give the government more power to make sure that we never had to be afraid like that again sounded reasonable at the time. People were very excited, and it was a, a pretty unanimous and clear vote in favor of the Patriot Act. Today, it is almost unanimous across the political aisle that it was a mistake, but they're not actually willing to undo what was given away in the Patriot Act. It was done with thunderous applause and popular consent. And that's what people who grab power tend to do the most, is get people to be excited and support that idea. But the problem is that you never get those freedoms back once they're given away. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is something we've talked about with our listeners uh, over and over again, you know, this idea of liberty versus security. So I think that is, especially during the time of, you know, corona, coronavirus, that this is very applicable. I want to switch gears a little bit. One of my favorite aspects of Star Wars is this concept of balance, right? You hear a lot about we've got to bring balance to the force. So we live in a really polarized world, meaning we've got people that who are very far and, uh, you know, end of the political spectrum on one side or the other side, and they are just at war with each other constantly. We see it on the internet. We see it on the news. It's everywhere. So how does this idea of bringing balance to the force, how can that help us in a world that is so Well, the, the issue so of balance is, is definitely a, a really poetic one. I am just watching right now the Avatar The Last Airbender series, and they they, they touch very Ooh, strongly on the issue theory. of balance, and, and kids should go watch that on Netflix as well for a great time. But Star Wars, this is at the very center of the Star Wars story, balancing between light and the dark. And in The Rise of Skywalker, or I, actually I believe it's in The Force Awakens, one of the characters says, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it. And that basically is to say that when one side is accumulating too much power, there's too much darkness in the world, light will begin to peek out to balance that. And in the original prequel trilogy, uh, that's not the original, but the prequel Star Wars trilogy, episode one through three, you have the Jedi Order very invested in the idea that the Sith must be destroyed, right? And you go, okay, well, that's good. They're the bad guys. You want to get rid of the Sith. 
But you then you have to ask yourself, why is it that they feel that the Sith and practitioners of the dark side uh, shouldn't be around, that they shouldn't exist, and that there shouldn't be people who practice the dark? And it's a tricky question because you don't want to root for the bad guys, um, but it's not in keeping with the actual idea of balance. And so what happens in the prequel trilogy? There is balance, but it is instituted against the Jedi. The Jedi are wiped out. The Sith are resurgent. They take over the Republic. And just two active Sith, Darth Vader and Darth Sidious in the form of Emperor Palpatine, they get rid of the entire Jedi Order down to just two living Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi and then the two Skywalker babies who will one day be practitioners of the Force. Two Jedi, two Sith. The Force rebalanced uh, power in the universe by killing all the good guys. Now, what is the point of that, right? We have a real big problem in our country today with making space for our political opponents and accepting the idea that it might not actually be good long-term for state legislatures to be all Republican or for our national government to be completely united, Republican Congress, Republican president, and then a conservative Supreme Court. Sure, that might lead to a couple of good outcomes, but what do we know, Connor and Brittany, to be true when this happens? Excesses oversteps of your mandate and oversteps of authority. Too much of one thing can lead to bad outcomes. And that's why we believe in checking uh, those excesses with, you know, two-party two party government and also with checks and balances between different branches of government. Another question I'd like to focus on before we end is you've talked about balance and, and that's, you know, all over the Star Wars story and, and the Jedi Order and one of the, the lessons that I kind of observed or one of the things that I noticed as I watched is it seemed like the problem with, you know, Anakin uh, early on was pride, right? So if you're talking the balance of the force, there's also like pride versus humility, right? Where it seemed like the good Jedi, like, you know, Master Yoda was much more humble, uh, recognizing almost like Spider-Man, right? With, with great uh, power comes great responsibility, like these Jedi would learn the ways of the force, but, uh, but it was the, the pride and the ego, um, thinking you're great and thinking you're powerful, better than other people that you shouldn't be able to control people that would lead to the dark side. Whereas kind of the light side is, is more of that humility. Do you, do you see that as, as well, kind of in the star Wars story? And if so, what, what, what lessons should the families listening learn uh, that that relate to kind of politics and liberty from that kind of pride versus humility in Star Wars. Sure. Well, there's there's a lot of directions we could go in, but I might want to point you towards a different character in the Star Wars universe who is the counterbalance of Anakin's pride, and it happens to be his wife, uh, Padme Amidala. In Star Wars Episode One, Padme is able to diffuse and end uh, an occupation of her planet by the Trade Federation purely by leading her people with incredible humility. You might remember the scene of the movie where she goes to help uh, or seek help from the Gungans, who are you know, the fellow co-inhabitants of Naboo, but they really don't like the humans who live above the water. And the entire planet has been taken over, and the two people don't get along well. But she actually goes to Boss Nass of the Gungans, takes a knee, 
and says, I ask you to help us. No, I beg you to help us. We are your humble servants and our fate is in your hands. And if you remember, Boss Nass laughs. He goes, Yusa no thinking, Yusa greater than the Gungans? We like this. And it's actually a really big masterclass moment in how humility can diffuse tension with your opponents and people who don't like you, right? Or think that they can't like you because they think you're better uh, or they think that you think you're better than them. And that's what keeps so many of us apart from meaningful friendships and relationships across the political aisles that we think the other side thinks they're better than us. This is a really cool moment. And if you want to unpack it, we certainly can. But I always go to Padme here uh, with how you can build new alliances just by reminding people that you're on equal footing and that neither side is greater than the other. I, I think those are powerful lessons to to draw from. It's so interesting because, you know, as I watched Star Wars as a kid and later as they came out, to me at first it was always just a story. It was just a fun story. And then as I would learn, as I would kind of have different experiences, learn history, I started to see much like Brittany, you and I have talked about on a previous episode, yeah, the, recently, the yeah. hero's journey. And, and, and there's yep. so much in this story that relates not only to other stories, but, but real life. And that's why I like stories like this. We've talked about uh, the importance of fiction uh, on a past episode and how it can teach us so much because it models you know, ideals that we should try and uh, live uh, like or aspire to. It also uh, helps us in, uh, visualize the bad, right? Like, look what happens when, you know, there is pride and the fall uh, that comes from that. And, and we want to stay away from that. So I really like that Star Wars, like so many things, can teach us these lessons. Um, Stephen, Kent, it's been super fun to talk with you. Uh, tell us when your book comes out next year. We'll make sure to share it with our audience. How the Force Can Fix the World. You guys be on the lookout for that. Uh, Beltway Banthas, uh, that podcast is available now. We'll link to that on our show notes page, yes, as well as to Young Voices, a fantastic organization that Stephen is the spokesperson of. They're doing a lot of great work. Uh, Stephen, thanks for joining us on the show. That's been a pleasure, and may the Force be with you both. Thank you. Well, special thanks to Stephen Kent for being here today. Again, he's a really good old friend of mine, so it's really fun to kind of sit and geek out about Star Wars with him. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, Connor, but I'm a huge fan, so that was so much fun for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to his book because uh, for all of his, you know, George Lucas is the guy who wrote the, um, the original Star Wars trilogy and then uh, the, what do they call it, the prequels, the right? Prequels, I think is what yeah. they're called. And then he didn't do the, the newer movies that have come out, but a lot of people have criticized him for, you know, writing really goofy dialogue, like how the characters speak to one another, especially Jar Jar Binks. Like, I don't know what was nobody, going on. Nobody with that. likes Jar Jar Binks. No <laughs> one likes Jar Jar. And so George Lucas had his problems and, and you know, people have like criticized him for some of these things. But what George Lucas really did well is kind of that hero's journey that we've talked about. He yeah. really tapped into those human emotions and history and kind of weaving into this fictional story so much that we see in our own world. Um, and so it's it's fun. You know, those of us who fight for freedom, we we think of ourselves like the re rebels always, you know, fighting against the empire. I, I always use the story of like, you know, I'm, as you know, Brittany, I think you share this with me. I'm very kind of anti-war. Mm -hmm. I think that we shouldn't be involved in all these wars. And we live in a culture where 
soldiers, the military are often praised. But at the end of the day, these people are really just following orders. Yeah. Like if they're told to go kill some people, then they'll go kill those people because that's, you know, they're convinced. Just that following that's orders. Of, yep. Yeah, that that's what they need to do. And I think, well, that's what stormtroopers did. You know, <laughs> like no one likes the stormtroopers. You got to under, especially I liked in the recent movies yes. where I can't remember his name. I Finn? Just, yes, Finn, where he actually stands right. up and says, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, there, there are some stormtroopers who kind of break that mold and, and think for themselves. So definitely so much that we can learn from those stories. Guys, head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. You'll be able to access uh, the show notes, some of the links that we talked about today. A lot of fun stuff there. Make sure you're subscribed, and we'll see you on the next episode. Until then, Brittany, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed, and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.